Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see you here this morning as we begin this season of Advent. What a wonderful way to start with the music and the lighting of the candles. Um, we're going to do this in a couple different parts this morning. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about what all this Advent concept means. Advent simply means the arrival. We, we talk about the advent of the automobile or the advent of the cell phone. It, it's a reference point to when these inventions came into being and became a part of our life and history. At this season of the year, Advent refers to the point in time when God arrived in this world as a tiny baby and whose ultimate purpose in coming was to bring salvation to all of us. Throughout the ages leading up to Christ's birth, God tried to prepare his people for that moment. It's as if God was communicating to us, I'm at work. I've got a plan. Life is not empty or hopeless. Don't lose heart. I'm coming to save you. Be watching for my advent. Be ready for my arrival. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we live on this side of advent. So, what can we learn today? from Emmanuel, God with us, that will change the way we live. How can we take the spirit of his advent, his arrival, and put it into our lives? Well, that's the focus of these next four Sundays. We're going to seek to answer the question, how do we communicate love's arrival in such a way that our broken world will be drawn to him? And this week's answer to that question is simply this. Love speaks. How do, how do I make a difference? How do I extend to the world this gracious arrival of the Savior? Well, it begins because love speaks. Words matter. Let me rephrase that. The right words matter and may impact history. Over 50 years ago now, uh, on a hot August afternoon on the steps of the Washington, or on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Martin Luther King Jr. stood there behind a podium of microphones and delivered his riveting I Have a Dream speech. Who today does not know about that I Have a Dream speech? I remember well the words spoken for the first time from the surface of the moon. That's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Neil Armstrong, Apollo 11, July 1969. In June of 1987, then President Ronald Reagan stood in West Berlin and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And that was when the Soviet Union began to crumble and became no more. Historic moments. You see, well-chosen words make a profound impact. Words matter. And biblical history is no stranger to such impactful words. May I suggest to you that there are several places that we could turn where the words made historic changes. But I'm going to tell you about one that you may not remember well or think of often. It comes out of the book of 2 Samuel. And it is in, his, in this book that we discover that King David was not dealing with a spiritual crisis in his own life. Now, up to this point in time, David's life had been incredibly blessed by God. The nation's borders had been expanded. The people of Israel loved their King David, and he had multiple wives and children of his own. But apparently, this was not enough. 
At the very lowest point in his reign as king, David had an adulterous affair with a married woman, and as a result, she became pregnant with child. In a calculated panic, David had her husband Uriah, one of his mighty men, placed at the front lines of the battle while the rest of the troops withdrew so he would most certainly die in combat. Following a proper time of grief, David took Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, to be his wife and seemingly dismissed the whole sin and the sordid affair as if it never happened, buried it deep in his heart and mind. Several months pass. And then David gets a visit from the prophet Nathan. How does a lowly preacher speak to the king about his sin? Words matter. As Nathan approached King David, remember who at one time was a shepherd boy, he uses a lamb as the centerpiece of his brief story. It's not a long story, and it went something like this. There was a family in Israel who was very poor. They had a lamb, not a flock, but a lamb, a single lamb that was not so much livestock as it was a pet. The lamb had been raised by the family. The lamb played with the children. The lamb ate the same food that the family ate from the table. Why, the lamb even slept in the poor man's arms. But down the road, there was a rich man with multiple flocks and multiple herds. And one day, when a traveler stopped by the wealthy estate, the rich man wanted to extend hospitality to the weary traveler, as was customary in that day and time. However... He refused to take one of the sheep from his many flocks to prepare as a meal for the traveler, but instead went to the poor man's house, seized the pet lamb so dear to the family, and prepared it for his guest. Nathan paused. David was outraged. He could not fathom such injustice. And in a spirit of righteous indignation, David declared, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. I suspect there was another pause. And then Nathan looks him squarely in the face and he said, you are the man. Many scholars believe this is the most profound single sentence of the Old Testament. You are the man. Words matter. And if you don't think that changed history, then you go home this afternoon and you read Psalm 51, one of the most beautiful and, and powerful words of repentance and genuine godly sorrow for a deed done. And, and you will note that Psalm 51 was written by David after Nathan's visit. Words matter. And since words matter, the suggestion that love speaks immediately draws our attention to God. And you say, well, how so? Well, John the Apostle reminds us of that in his first letter to the ancient church. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, are you ready for this? God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
Folks, do you think that Nathan's words were for David only? This whole season is about the coming of the Lamb of God into this world. God's only son. God's only lamb who died for the sin of the world. And this is how God demonstrated his love. And so I would suggest that when God speaks, love speaks. Nearly 1,700 times in Scripture we read the words, and God said, or Jesus said, or the Lord said. 1,700 times. Genesis opens with the words, and God said, let there be light. Revelation closes with the words of Jesus saying, yes, I am coming soon. From the beginning to the end, this is the story of love speaking. In the beginning, God speaks. At the end, God speaks. No wonder John's gospel opens with the words that we heard earlier around the Advent candle. In the beginning was the Word. Love speaks. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, was God, and became flesh. See what I mean? Love speaks. And throughout history, God has used multiple ways to communicate his love and his grace. God has spoken his love through the grandeur of his creation. Any of you know what color a reindeer's eyes are? I suspected as much. You know, the reindeer, usually uh, their herds are in the northern Arctic regions. And here's the deal. A reindeer's eyes are golden color in the summertime and a deep blue in the wintertime. Science has just finished a 12-year study of the reindeer's eyes. It is the only, or I should say it is the first, the only one we're aware of, of God's creation to be able to do this. The reindeer can change the very wavelength from the reflective, to, to the reflective surface of the eye between summer and winter. And here's the deal. It, is, it has to do with all the bright light in the summertime and the very dim, almost non-existent light of the wintertime. And they've discovered that the deep blue color actually helps the light from the sideways to strike more photoreceptors in the eye of the reindeer, giving the reindeer clarity and the ability to see in the darkness of the Arctic winter. It is fascinating. We know why it is helpful to the reindeer. What science has yet been able to discover is how does the reindeer do this? Because come spring, the eyes go back to the golden color. I'm nearsighted. I wish I could change my eyes. I can't. I'm stuck with what it is. But the reindeer has this marvelous capacity, and we can't figure it out. Every time I learn something new about God's creation, I am drawn to him because God spoke his love through the glories of his creation. And God spoke his love through many multiple miraculous deeds in the Old Testament. Just, just take the simple act of grace that a woman in Zarephath, not even an Israelite woman, a woman in Zarephath, a Gentile like us, her and her son had a bowl of flour and a jar of oil that every day during the famine always had just enough flour and just enough oil to make their daily bread. Isn't that what God has promised us, our daily bread? Love speaks. And, and, and he spoke through the power of preaching in the Old Testament. The prophets of old proclaimed God's message of hope and a love to a broken world. Words like this from the preacher Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, 
Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. Are these from the preacher Micah in chapter 6, verse 8? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Love speaks in his creation. Love speaks in his miracles. Love speaks in his prophets. But when God knew that love speaks best face to face, that's when love crossed over and became one of us. How many people would say of us, hey, when you speak, love speaks. <laughs> Pretty sure that won't be on my tombstone. But shouldn't we live in such a way that words like that could be carved above our grave? Don't you want people to view us as loving? I do. And that means I've got some work to do. I understand that. I suspect all of us in this room have some work to do. But if, if we're going to represent the one who came so that we could see God, for God is love, then isn't that going to require that we, that we speak lovingly wherever we go? So let me suggest some practical thoughts about the way love speaks in our daily lives. Okay, here we go. Here, practically, when love speaks, it speaks carefully. <laughs> love speaks carefully. The Lord's brother James writes these words to the early church in James 1. Understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen. Someone wisely quipped, you can win more friends with your ears than with your mouth. It is true. Good communication begins with our ability to listen. Even under the best of circumstances, researchers tell us that 20% of all communi communication is misunderstood because we aren't listening. And I never cease to be amazed at how people jump to the conclusion when listening to a story without considering that there may be more to the story, that there are other signs to the story. Just because you've read it in print or you've heard it from some one source or you've seen it online doesn't guarantee it's accurate. Make sure you have all the pieces of the puzzle before you draw a conclusion. Listen carefully. Listen well when wise people speak into your life. Listen intently when God speaks into your life through his wisdom. His words are not burdensome words, folks. Because when God speaks, remember, love speaks. So, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And you say, why, why does James say be slow to speak? It's because it gives us time to respond wisely and carefully. If you jump the gun... You'll say things you may be sorry for later. There have been very few times when I've had to apologize for something I didn't say. Be slow to speak. Choose your words carefully. Make them sweet just in case you have to eat them. And you say, what's the big deal? Well, consider these words of Jesus. These are unnerving words to me from Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says, and I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. 
being slow to speak may just help prevent the wrong words at the wrong time. It's been said sometimes you can make a more effective statement by holding your tongue. Or, or to put it another way, a lot of words are not necessarily better. Now, I got to tell you, that's really humbling for a preacher to have to share with you. <laughs> but it's true. A lot of words are not necessarily better. Sometimes brief is better. Lincoln's Gettysburg Address was only 210 words. And depending on the translation you're reading, the Ten Commandments use only 297 words. The 23rd Psalm, 109 words. And the Lord's Prayer, just 65. And yet those powerful words have impacted countless lives for generations. Contrast that with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which published a document on the pricing of cabbage that exceeded 15,000 words. Love speaks... But that message of love can get lost in a forest of unnecessary words. So speak slow. Choose your words carefully. It is estimated that the average person has approximately 30 conversations during the course of a day, speaking enough words to fill 60-plus pages of a single-spaced single manuscript. And since we spend so much time each day with words, let us choose them carefully and wisely. So take your time. Think before you speak. Wisdom is dispensed a drop at a time. Foolishness destroys like a devastating flood. Years ago, Bell Telephone advertised the value of their business portion of the phone book with these words. Let your fingers do the walking through the yellow pages. Some of you remember. In our technology today, more people let their fingers do the talking than the walking through social media. Do, do I need to remind us that the same thing that applies to the words that come out of my mouth also applies to the words that flow from my fingers? Seldom does love speak on social media. The venomous words that are so easy to type behind a screen of some kind are words that we would never speak face to face. So I'm telling you, the word of God applies not to just the verbal, but the typing as well. And, and here's the problem with social media. The New York Times reports that the average daily time spent on Facebook, just Facebook, is nearing an hour. That's more than almost any other leisurely activity that we engage in except for television. It's more time than people spend reading, participating in sports or exercise, or even social events. It's nearly as much time as we spend eating on a daily basis. And here's the bad news. The study summarized in the American Journal of Epidemiology concluded that the more Facebook hours logged on the social network over time, the more the sense of well-being and happiness declined. Be ever so careful. Be slow to speak. Be slow to write or type. Your words matter. Love speaks. But, but sometimes it doesn't come out that way if we're not careful. Here's the other thing James says. He says to be slow to become angry. And once again, you say, oh, why, why, what's the big deal about the anger? Oh, it's because you cannot hear love's whisper in the tumult of anger. And anger is a growing problem. A recent study concluded that one out of every five Americans has an anger management problem. 
Chuck Norris, the actor, said this of men. He said, men are like steel. When they lose their temper, they lose their worth. There's a reason anger is so bad. Anger leads to bitterness and then resentment and then to holding on to grudges. Do you hold on to grudges? This bottle of water is pretty light. It's um, 16 ounces, just a 16. Normal bottle of water, just 16 ounces. You know, you, you take the lid off, lift it to your lips, take a, take a drink, set it back down. You don't even notice the weight. Hold it out like this for a minute. I don't notice the weight. But I'm telling you, if I hold this bottle out like this for 15 minutes, I'm going to start noticing the weight. If I hold it for an hour, I'm in pain. If I hold on to this for days or weeks, my arm is paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. I, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to hold it out like that. And if I could, there's going to be incredible deep pain. And here's the truth. The weight of the water has not changed. It's still just 16 ounces. But the longer I hold on to something that is a bit on the heavy side, the more it destroys me. In your anger, you grow bitter and then resentful. And then you begin to hold on, hang on to your grudges. And when you do that, the weight of the grudge never changes. The weight of the deed never changes. But the longer you hold it, the more emotionally, spiritually, mentally you are drained and paralyzed from being able to do the right thing. Hold on to them day after day, and it will destroy you. The scriptures are clear. Just, just take a look at what we read in Proverbs. Just Proverbs. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Proverbs 15. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Proverbs 16. A fool, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Proverbs 29. That's just a selection out of Proverbs. Not everywhere else that we find God's word speaking. Ah, be slow to become angry. When love speaks, it speaks carefully. Here's the next thing. When love speaks, it speaks positively. Positively. Let's assume you have some skin cancer on your arm and you need to get it taken care of. Now, there are a couple ways that you can take care of it. I've got two examples of how you can take care of skin cancer on your arm. <laughs> I have a chainsaw and I have a scalpel. Which would you prefer the surgeon use to remove your skin cancer? Both will work. Both will take it off. This will be a little bit longer recovery time than this. This will leave scars and permanent damage. This won't. We laugh about that and the absurdity of it. But the difference between negative words and positive words is, is, is pretty much like that. Why are we not careful with how we speak, whether it's positive or negative? You know, a, a positive word is like a scalpel that cuts out the unnecessary part, but hardly leaves any scar behind. A chainsaw is like negative words. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll communicate. But it'll rip everything to shreds and leave perhaps more damage behind than what was there to begin with, be careful 
Speak positively. To speak in a positive manner is to lift others up instead of tearing them down. And here's another place where choosing your words carefully matters. And you say, well, well shouldn't I be honest even if it is painful? Uh, yes, but when people are brutally honest, they probably enjoy the brutality more than the honesty. And there's nothing positive about that. Now, hear me say this. Listen carefully. True love speaks the truth in love. Now, that's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Sometimes the truth is painful, but when spoken in love, even the tough conversations can have positive results. And when love speaks positively, we grow in maturity. If you want to mature in Christ, then find a way to speak positively into somebody else's life. And there are opportunities all around us. It just depends on if you're opening your eyes to what's an opportunity. President Harry Truman wrote, he said, A pessimist is one who makes difficulties of his opportunities. An optimist is one who makes opportunities of his difficulties. Now, we have an annual tradition around here that I, I dearly love. We do this as a congregation, and that is that during this season of the year, we have all of our widows and widowers printed their names and contact information printed on cards. We would like for you to take one of those with you today and then make a positive contact with, with the person on the card during this season. Um, write them a note. Make a visit. Go caroling with your small group, your life group. Drop off a small gift, help with some holiday cooking, offer to take them shopping. The list of ideas is only limited to your creativity. And this I'll guarantee you, when love speaks through you to those who may be hurting in an extra difficult way during the season, love will speak to you as well. You will be encouraged when you speak positively into somebody else's life. Here's the last thing. When love speaks, it speaks steadily, consistently. You see, the challenge of love speaks isn't for selective conversations or not for just one day out of seven. This is a lifetime challenge. It never stops. So don't give up. Keep on choosing your words carefully. Be slow to speak. And for goodness sakes, be slow to become angry because the gentle whisper of love is always drowned out by the noise and commotion of anger. Keep on being positive every day that you live. Keep on being an encourager to those around you. Keep on lifting others up. And remember this. Be quick to listen when love speaks. When things don't go like you want or even hope, keep listening. God speaks. Love speaks. When the world turns its back on you, keep listening. God speaks. Love speaks. Remember what John wrote? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And when he speaks, love speaks. And that kind of love conquers anything that a broken world can throw at you. Jessica Sharman had a seizure disorder that landed her in the hospital. She lost her entire memory, even the memory of her boyfriend, Rich Bishop. Jessica determined that she would break up with Rich as she got out of the hospital, but Rich was determined that that was not going to happen. He was determined to speak love back into the relationship, and so slowly, persistently, he took her to their favorite places that they had enjoyed before. They took long walks together. They laughed together. They spent time together, and he finally won her heart again. 
a second time. Jessica said, I don't remember the first time I fell in love with Rich, but I sure do remember the second. That is so like our God. He loved us, his creation. But we, his creation, forgot all about his love. And so God became one of us in order that he might speak love into our lives again, a second time. We may not remember his love from the beginning, but we cannot miss it the second time around. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know that you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.